There's so much health advice floating around, online, among friends. But who can you really trust? Trust the experts. Listen to the world's brightest medical minds, our very own Cleveland Clinic experts. We ask them real questions, tough and intimate health questions, and we get real answers, all originally recorded live. Thank you for joining us. I'm your host, Nada Youssef, and you're listening to Health Essentials Podcast by Cleveland Clinic. Today, we're broadcasting from Cleveland Clinic main campus here in Cleveland, Ohio, and we're here with Dr. James Simon. Dr. Simon is a nephrologist specializing in high blood pressure and kidney disorders, and today we're talking about kidney health. And please remember, this is for informational purposes only, and it's not intended to replace your own physician's advice. Thank you so much for being here today. You're welcome. My pleasure. All right, so I'm going to ask you some questions off topic to get to know you on a personal level. Sure. All right, so what is your uh, current guilty pleasure? So uh, we're big Game of, Thr- fan, Game of Thrones fans. Yes. So uh, after the season finale, we, the series finale, we started the you started whole to series it. open. Over. So you finished yeah. the whole thing. You know mm-hmm. what happened, you're rewatching. Right. Okay, well, no spoilers. There's, there's a big difference between watching it over a span of 10 years and watching yes. every episode <laughs> in a row. Yeah, there's you something about a binging a good show. Yep. Absolutely, I yep. agree. Um, so if you could time travel, when and where would you go? I'm a big Revolutionary War buff. Okay. Um, I, I've, I've read a lot about it. I'm really fascinated about uh, how some of the decisions were made and and how things evolved that had lasting impacts on our country. Yes. And so would you go just like a fly on the wall, or do you want to be a certain person? No, I'd be a fly on the wall. Fly on the wall, watching yeah. it happen. Mm-hmm. Okay, very cool answer. And then if you weren't a physician, what would you be? <laughs> uh, a landscaper. A landscaper. My, my father-in-law always, I, I do a lot of landscaping every house that we've lived in, and, and uh, my father-in-law always said I should do that on the side. And you like it? Yeah, I love it. Good. It's uh, my the only art, artistic, creative thing I can, I, I tend to do. I'm not a good painter or drawer. <laughs> That's good. Or you still get to do yeah. everything you love then. That's mm-hmm. awesome. Yep. All right. Well, let's go back to kidney. Cool. <laughs> so first of all, let's talk about what is the function of a kidney. So your kidneys uh, basically clean your blood out. Okay. So they're the filtration system for the body. Uh, but instead of like a water filter where the clean water comes out the other end of the filter, with the kidneys, the bad stuff gets filtered through, mm-hmm. and that eventually gets turned into the urine. Okay. Um, so there's a, about a million individual microscopic filtering units in each kidney, mm-hmm. and their job is to get the, extra ba- the bad stuff out of the blood while keeping the good things like blood and protein inside the blood. Mm-hmm. Um, so they clean the excess water, the, the toxins that we think about that build up in the cells over time and that are produ- put into the bloodstream, uh, acid, uh, electrolytes like sodium and potassium mm-hmm. get, get taken out of the uh, bloodstream uh, because if you eat a lot of sodium, you have to get rid of it, right? And mm-hmm. so um, anything you eat has to eventually get, end up into the urine um, if it gets into the bloodstream. Um, the liver does some detoxification too, but the kidneys are, are really a main role for filtering the blood and keeping it clean. So blood filtration. Mm-hmm. They do a lot of other things. They, they help with uh, keeping your red blood cell counts up. So um, it, kidney patients can get anemia because they're not producing a hormone mm-hmm. that is necessary for uh, producing your red cells. They're important in bone health, like we said, with acid-base regulation. So keeping the acid levels in your bloodstream uh, regulated, 
and they have a, they have a lot of other roles, but those are the those are the main ones. The main functions. Mm -hmm. So, what kind of things can go wrong with our kidneys? So, anything that affects those microscope, those little um, filtering units, mm -hmm. they're called glomeruli, and they're basically tiny sacs of blood vessels. Mm -hmm. So, anything that can that can hurt blood vessels in general can hurt the kidneys. Okay. You can actually lose about half of your filtering units and still have good enough kidney function that it looks normal on our tests. It's because we have so many in reserve. Um, but once you get down below that, then, then you can start having impaired kidney function. So the most common causes of kidney failure in America are diabetes and high blood pressure. Okay. Um, both of those affect the blood vessels uh, in different ways. Mm -hmm. And diabetes has special effects on the filtering units that are, that are a little different because of the high sugar levels and um, the things that can happen that way. Now, if you uh, look beyond diabetes, um, there are certain medicines you can take that we can talk about later that, that can cause kidney problems. Mm -hmm. um, the kidneys are very sensitive to oxygen, so certain situations where the blood flow can drop. So if, if people um, have severe infections or, or situations called sepsis where they're not getting enough blood flow to their kidneys or if their blood, f blood pressure drops during a surgery, the kidneys may be sensitive to that and get affected. Sure, sure. In those situations, oftentimes it can be reversible. Okay. Um, something we call acute kidney injury versus permanent kidney damage called chronic kidney disease. Um, we talk about kidney function as, a lot of people come to my office and they were told they're in kidney failure. Mm -hmm. And in reality, their, kidney, their, their labs just showed that the kidneys were just slightly off. And so there's this huge range between normal kidney function and complete kidney failure where people need to start dialysis. So the first thing I do when, I when they come in the room, if, they're, if it's just moderate or mild kidney dysfunction, is I tell them, you don't need dialysis, and they get a huge sigh of relief. Oh, God. Because it's the misunderstanding, even among doctors, uh, about what kidney failure is. And so that span is uh, what we call chronic kidney disease. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And the way we measure the kidney function is... Uh, a lab called creatinine is the most common way to do it. Creatinine is put out by your muscles, and it's filtered up by the kidneys. Okay. So if you start to see increasing levels of creatinine, that would suggest that the kidneys aren't cleaning the blood out as well. Mm. Now, everybody has their own specific creatinine level because it depends on your muscle mass. Mm. So gender, age, ethnicity all play a role in whether that creatinine is normal for you. Mm. So there is no one normal creatinine. Right. And so what we do is we take those, those factors and we put it into an uh, equation to estimate that GFR. That GFR is called the glomerular filtration rate, and it's roughly your percent kidney function. Okay. Um, and I say roughly because at peak we have about 115, 120, depending on your okay. gender. But once it starts getting down below 100, we, we, it's easier just to understand as your percent kidney function. Okay. So the GFR is specific to you, and it's, um, it tells us where you are on that spectrum from perfect kidney function to failure. Um, and we divide it up into stages of kidney function called chronic kidney disease stages, one through five. Um, stages one and two are relatively normal lo levels of kidney function, so the GFR is going to be between 60, uh, but north of 60. But you have to have something else going on with the kidneys. Either you're leaking blood or protein into the, uh, to the urine that you shouldn't be, or you've lost a kidney for some reason. Um, so not too many people get identified with stage one and two kidney CKD. Sure. Most people get identified at stage three, and that's because the, GF, the, the qualification for stage three is that you just have to have a GFR less than 60. Mm. 
okay? And then, so that's 30 to 59% kidney function. Stage four is what we call really a pre-dialysis stage where it's 15 to 29. And then stage five, which is complete kidney failure, is, is less than 15. And that's when most people need to start dialysis, usually around 10 to 12% or have a kidney transplant. Okay. And then you can live with one kidney, is correct? You can live with one kidney. So okay. that's why we can donate kidneys to loved ones or friends or even right. anonymous donations right, right. Uh, for people that need one. Sure. Okay. So what are some of the symptoms associated with kidney disease? How do I know I might be getting kidney failure? Most commonly, early kidney dysfunction is asymptomatic, okay. so you're not going to know, and that's why you know people who are at risk for CKD, it's important that they get screened. Sure. Um, but it's a kind of similar to high blood pressure. Until it's severe, it's silent. I see. And so it's another one of those silent killers. Right. Right. Um, as you get further down, closer to dialysis, you know, in the stage five CKD, you can develop what are called uremic symptoms, and and that uh, they're very nonspecific. So uh, if you get them and you don't know that you have kidney failure, you shouldn't think of kidney failure first. Sure. But uh, the earliest signs are you may get nauseated, uh, especially in the morning, or you have an appetite and you smell food and then it just turns your stomach. Um, you, you are actually nauseated all day, uh, a bitter or metallic taste in your mouth. Mm -hmm. So those are the earliest signs. So if someone we know has CKD and their, their GFR is in the teens and getting down closer to needing dialysis, we, we tell them, tell us when... You're having those early symptoms. So they already know that they, they have should, some hopefully, kind of disease by that. Hopefully they do. Right. But unfortunately, there are people who present to us in kidney failure, and they ne just never knew about it either because they weren't, uh, most commonly because they just weren't getting um, health care. Yeah, they weren't getting right? checked regularly. Exactly. Sure, sure. So let's talk about the testing. What kind of testing is done uh, uh, for kidney health? Is that blood test or is that urine test? Both, okay. actually. So there, there's two tests. So we talked about the creatinine lab value. Mm -hmm. That's 99% um, of the time that's part of the chemistry panel. And chemistry panels are very routine tests that are done on a lot of people. Okay. And so that'll give you the creatinine, and most labs now will tell you what the GFR is as well. Okay. So it'll give your percent kidney function. Um, and then the urinalysis, uh, that's screening for protein in the urine mm -hmm. or, or blood in the urine. Now, blood in the urine, there's a lot of different causes for blood right. in the urine. Kidney stones, kidney tumors bladder problems, uh, prostate problems, infections, um, but there are kidney, oftentimes immune problems or genetic problems that can cause blood in the urine. So anybody that has blood in the urine needs to be worked up both for kidney problems and urologic problems. Sure, sure. Um, so oftentimes they'll need a CAT scan or a cystoscopy by a urologist. And, and, but if we see blood and protein in the urine, that points more towards the kidneys right. um, and the kidney function problem. And then we look for protein in the urine too. So protein can show up in the urine from a variety of problems, most commonly from diabetes. Okay. So oftentimes you'll see diabetes, you'll see protein in the urine before you see kidney dysfunction okay. in patients with diabetes. So we actually will screen them very closely for that. We don't screen everybody for CKD. Okay. Um, there, you know, there are, there are at-risk populations. Uh, high blood pressure, as you know, we talked about people with diabetes, uh, people with certain infections like HIV. Um, certain native ethnicities, so indigenous pe populations are at high risk. Um, if you've had cancer, especially if you're under, while you're undergoing treatment, because there are a lot of chemotherapeutic agents or anti-tumor anti agents that can that can hurt the kidneys. So um, usually there's going to be a reason uh, why you're being screened. Although 
Nowadays, many, especially once you get into your 40s, your 50s, a lot of primary care doctors with their annual visits will check every once in a while uh, your kidneys or health insurance. If you want to get new life insurance or health insurance, they'll make you go through okay. those tests to screen for it as well. So if you already have health insurance, what is a good age to get screening for kidney health? Uh, there is no one cutoff. Okay. So if you're completely healthy, you know, I, I tell you the truth, um, it, if someone's completely healthy, probably once every couple of years. But again, there, there, there's uh, the criteria are not really that explicit. Okay. If, but if, if you have diabetes you have or high blood pressure, definitely. Definitely you should get it checked in at least once a year. Okay. In those situations. Okay. So yeah. I want to talk about diet and ex exercise mm -hmm. and how uh, an important of a role it plays for kidney health as it should be. What, in your opinion, is a kidney-friendly diet or a renal diet and why? So, you know, as we kind of discussed, diabetes, high blood pressure, heart disease, which we didn't mention before, but cardiovascular disease is a common cause of kidney dysfunction. People with congestive heart failure, people with liver problems can have kidney dysfunction. Um, and a whole host of other, other diseases that can lead to kidney dysfunction. So the kidneys most often are what I call an innocent bystander. Mm -hmm. They're just being affected by some other disease. Right. So uh, similarly, there's no one magic diet for people with CKD. Uh, what it, if you have a general heart-healthy diet and keep your, your blood cardiovascular system healthy, that's really what's best for the kidneys. So I, I recommend a good heart-healthy diet Low sodium, 2,400 milligram is, is recommended for, for general population, most people. Um, and that's very difficult. The low salt diet say, in America. What do most people eat most, right now? most people coming into my office, if we do 24 hour urine collections, and, and again, that'll reflect roughly what they're eating, yes. uh, they're eating between 4,000 and 6,000 milligrams. 4,000 to 6,000. Even if they tell me they're never touching a salt shaker. If, yeah. they're, if they're salting their food, it's north of 7,000, 8,000 milligrams. Wow. It's and just insane how much sodium is in all of the food we eat. And, and the normal? The, uh, the, target, the, the target, it's not normal, two, but the yeah. target is less than 2,400 milligrams. Less than 2,400. 2.4 grams, wow. yeah. Okay. Uh, it's, very, it's probably one of the more difficult diets for most people because you eat out, you've probably gotten that day's worth of sodium in that yes. meal. Yes. You know, anything, with a, anything with any kind of preservatives in it is going to have salt in it. So, right. um, you know, frozen dinners, um, anything that's processed, hot dogs, lunch meats, sausage, all that stuff can have a lot of salt in it. You know, jarred, jarred spaghetti sauces, barbecue sauce, ketchup, all Canned loaded with salt. Food. Anything in a can, yeah. unless it says it's 100% salt-free. So really it, go for whole foods. Well, I, I recommend fresh frozen vegetables, fruits and vegetables, and unprocessed meats. Okay. Really. Okay. It's, the best way to, it's the best way to go. Sure. Um, even then, you got to be careful, though, because chicken sometimes will be injected with sodium phosphates for flavoring or yes. stewed in, or, or kept in broth, and that's, yes. those are just salt solutions. So you have to get so good, quality meat too. good quality meats. It's it's hard because unfortunately you have to pay more for to get food producers not to add stuff to your food. Yes, yeah. Um, yeah. And so it can be difficult for a lot of people to to afford really healthy food because the the most unhealthy food in America right now is the cheapest. It's the convenient one. Right. On drive through. Yes. Yeah. Agreed. So what about alcohol? Um, alcohol bad for your kidneys? Not directly. No. no? Okay. No. Again, in moderation. Mm -hmm. um, so there, there's no reason. Uh, people with chronic kidney disease can't can't enjoy a beverage every once in a while. What, you know, again, if you get dehydrated, anything that's going to dehydrate you mm -hmm. can run the risk of the kidneys, especially if you already have depressed kidney function. Right. Some people are on di diuretics for their high blood pressure or if they have heart problems, and so that's already going to challenge your kidneys. 
uh, being on a diuretic because it, it dehydrates the kidneys a little bit. Um, most people do fine on diuretics and the kidneys tolerate it, but it, it is a risk factor for other causes of dehydration hurting the kidneys. So if you get drunk and pass out, um, you know, uh, it's, it could be harmful, especially if you do that repeatedly. Right. Repeated reversal, reversible insults on the kidney can lead to permanent kidney damage. Okay, so drink, drink your water. Stay hydrated. Okay. But now, don't overdo it. Don't overdo it. Okay. What's overdoing it? There's no reason to force hydrate. Okay. Uh, absolutely no reason. There's been no proven benefits. A lot of people are told that they need to drink half of their weight in ounces of water. There's, yeah. there's no reason to do that. The kidneys are very good at figuring out how much water needs to stay in the body. So that's okay. why in the morning, after you haven't had anything to drink for six or eight hours when you're sleeping, your, your urine's nice and dark because yeah. the kidneys have pulled extra water out of it. But if you're hydrating all day, then your urine clears up. Um, so I generally recommend for most patients, unless certain situations, kidney stone patients need more water, uh, heart failure patients need less water because wow. the, the heart can't pump the water around and they can get congestive heart failure. Uh, water builds up in the lungs and they can't breathe. Wow. But for most patients, four to six, eight ounce glasses of fluids a day, okay. non-caffeinated, non-salted, okay. you know, generally good. Just water. Yeah. Yeah. doesn't have to be just water, yeah. but um, primarily. Okay. So the diet that you mentioned, it's more of a preventive diet for yes. renal disease. What mm -hmm. about if you already have renal disease or failure? Then what diet do you go for? Uh, the diets become more difficult as the kidney function uh, drops. And, and really, we have to limit certain things that the kidneys can't get rid of because they don't work as well. Now, if your potassium level and your phosphorus levels and your acid levels are fine, then a regular heart-healthy diet is all you need. But if you start having, and you, uh, commonly the potassium is going to be the uh, common one to go up. If your potassium level starts rising into the abnormal ranges, we may put you on a potassium-restricted diet. And the reason I say don't do that until your kidneys, you need it, um, the labs show that you need it, is because it's a lot of really healthy foods that are high in potassium. Yeah. And it becomes very hard to take care of yourself and eat a heart-healthy diet and still have a low-potassium diet. Right. So a lot of people come in and they have early CKD and they just put themselves on a renal diet. And that's a, it, it's a hard diet. Um, if the phosphorus levels start going up, um, you know, it may end up restricting protein intake and other high phosphorus foods as well. Uh, when you're on dialysis, that becomes harder because eventually it's, again, it's weird to think of, but you eventually stop peeing altogether when your kidney wow. function is down to zero. So then you have to limit your fluid intake as well. Wow. Because the more water and other fluids you take in between dialysis sessions, the harder the dialysis is on your body. Sure, sure. Because they have to pull all of that out and if you're on hemodialysis in three or four hours. Wow. So what does a renal diet look like? Like if we're just talking like foods, what um, kind of food are we eating? You're trying to find low potassium fruits and vegetables. Yeah. You know, we really, we have so no lists. bananas, no, no bananas, <laughs> you know, spin, um, citrus fruits tend okay. to be high, you know, oranges okay. uh, tend to be high in, in potassium. Um, and then we, we tend to, we don't want people to overly restrict their protein intake. Okay. Because malnutrition can be a real problem too, but we do moderate their protein intake and regulate, reg, try to regulate how much that they take in. Again, that's if you have kidney failure or right. really advanced kidney disease. Right. Yeah, so it's it's it can be hard, especially if you have diabetes. When you're trying to control your carbs, yeah. you're trying to control your sodium, and then you add in potassium and proteins and everything else. It can become a very complex issue. So we have nutritionists that if, if patients need help, we, we refer them to, sure. to help them with it. Great. So you hear a lot of these different things of people doing detoxes and things like that. 
um, kidney detox, anything like that that you want to talk about? I, I still don't understand what the, pro what the purpose of those is. Yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, there's a lot of, the, the kidney's job is to detox, it's a detox right? you know, and exactly. so is the liver. Right. So you know. keep it healthy. Right. right. So if, if a lot of the detoxes are colonics, you know, to give people a lot of diarrhea yeah. and, and, you know, suggestion that they're removing heavy metals. I don't want to minimize people's understanding of, of al you know, that kind of health care if, if they believe in it. But sure. there's really no medical proof that any of that stuff is going to be beneficial to right. the kidneys. Right. Okay. Good to know. So what about certain vitamins, supplements, herbal remedies that can maybe affect our kidneys? I've heard vitamins could. Um, no, not really. The, a general multivitamin, even though it's not been proven to actually do anything for right. our health, uh, people take them, and, and in most cases, it's fine. Okay. Uh, if your kidney function does get really poor on your dialysis, you, you may need a special kidney-friendly vitamin that takes out some of the calcium and some of the other things uh, that, that kidneys have problems regulating. Uh, supplements can be a problem, though. Uh, Chinese herbal supplements specifically, we call them Chinese herbal supplements because that's where they originated, but, uh, uh, you know, Southeast Asian supplements are often contaminated, uh, not necessarily intentionally, but mm -hmm. they're often contaminated with things that can be very harmful to the kidneys. Oh. Um, and so that, that's one um, sector where, where we try to tell people to stay away from, especially in, you know, they come to my office when they already have kidney problems. Right. So I generally recommend if you're at that point, why do something to risk your kidney function if you don't know for sure what it is? Sure. And the problem with over-the-counters and herbals and supplements is you don't know exactly what's in there. Right. The FDA does not require that the people that manufacture it say exactly what is, test exactly what is in their, their product. Now, there are good manufacturing standards that some, some uh, supplement makers mm -hmm. adhere to that are a little closer to reality. Mm -hmm. But there really is no regulation to say that what you're taking is actually what's on the label. Right, and it's not FDA regulated. And they're not—they're not FDA regulated, and um, there haven't been studies on a lot of these things. A lot of the health benefits are are more pushed either by the producer or by alternative medicine, without what we would consider in medicine rigorous studies to prove them. So, in in patients with CKD, I generally, you know, now there are some things that are fine. You know, turmeric is 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 uh, or curcumin is is something mm -hmm. that a lot of people take, and and it's been shown to be safe, if not slightly beneficial in, in sure. certain disorders. So I don't have any, pro you know, if I know it's safe I'm, and they really want to take it, that's, that, that's great. Or but you can put it in your food. If right? I, yeah. You know, if I'm not sure what's going on with it and I, I, I look it up and I can't find any research on it, right. I, I, you know, if it's one thing, if I know what's harmful, I'm going to tell them to stop it. Right. Right. Sure. Um, so non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs, mm. uh, ibuprofen, Motrin, Aleve, Naproxen, um, anything you can take over the counter for fever or pain other than Tylenol or acetaminophen, basically. Mm -hmm. It'll say NSAID on the bottle, N-S-A-I-D. Those can be very harmful to the kidneys if you take them over and over and over again for long periods of time. So it's really hard because a lot of people with bad um, arthritis, Okay. these drugs are very effective. Yes. But if they take them every day for years on end, we have people come in in, in significant kidney dysfunction okay. um, from taking these meds. And it, once your kidneys are impaired, we have to stop them because the kidneys become more sensitive the, the worse they get. Okay, I'm going to have you repeat that because that's critical. Yeah. And you said it's anything over the counter except... Basically except Tylenol, Tylenol. No, except Tylenol or, or acetaminophen. Okay. Acetaminophen is a generic. Yes. Tylenol is the brand of acetaminophen. Um, but if it says NSAID on the bottle, and so the ones the, the most common ones are, are Naproxen, mm -hmm. um, which is marketed as Aleve, or Ibuprofen, which is marketed as Motrin or Advil. Okay. 
those are the most common over the counter, but there are a lot of prescription uh, NSAIDs that, that doctors can prescribe too. So doctors usually are pretty good about checking kidney function before they prescribe them, but not always. Sure. So um, as a doctor, you check in a kidney function, you did the urine test, the blood test, and you're finding out that they have a high risk of, of right. kidney failure. What is the next step? What are the medications? What What is it? What do we do? So it, my approach, uh, it, so anybody with a GFR under 60 should at least have a conversation with a nephrologist. Oftentimes, if the, if the kidney function's in the 50s and we don't see any high risk factors that they're gonna progress on to kidney failure, mm -hmm. you can live with kidney function in your 50s for the rest of your life and not know it. Okay. So a lot of times, um, I personally will, will discuss, educate them, make sure that there's nothing high risk going on, and then refer them back to the primary care doctor as long as their, their primary care is, is comfortable monitoring their kidney function sure. once or twice a year just to make sure it's not progressing and then come back if it's getting worse. Uh, but my approach is, A, try to figure out what caused it. Mm -hmm. In a lot of cases, we can't, okay? But if they have high blood pressure, diabetes, that has been uncontrolled for long periods of time, even well-controlled diabetes can hurt the kidneys. Mm -hmm. It's just, um, it's not a normal state, so the kidneys sure. can get hurt. But the better your diabetes is controlled, the, the lower the likelihood that you'll get kidney failure from it. Sure. So we, we focus on finding out what the cause was, if we, f if we can, and trying to slow the progression down. And that generally is removing medicines that we think are gonna hurt the kidneys, yes. <clears throat> um, controlling blood pressure, controlling diabetes, mm -hmm. making sure the heart's healthy and taken care of. If they have a cardiologist, we work with them to make sure they're, they're on a good regimen to keep the blood flowing to the kidneys. Sure. Um, and then we, we also do some other things. Like I said, um, you can get anemic, you can get bone um, metabolism disorders, acid-based disorders. Most of those are gonna be at much lower levels of mm -hmm. kidney function once you get in your 20s, so stage four or beyond, mm -hmm. um, and we monitor those. But we also, we, we take care of the heart too, so we're gonna check cholesterol levels and, and if people need to be on cholesterol medicines. Mm -hmm. uh, because the, the biggest risk for someone with chronic kidney disease is not that they're gonna go on dialysis, it's they're gonna die of a heart attack or a stroke. Mm -hmm. The, the heart and the blood vessels do not like the kidneys not working well. Sure. And so the risk is, is minimal at that GFR of 50 to 60. But if you have protein in the urine, for some reason, spilling protein in the urine, uh, it makes that risk go way up, both not only for progressing into kidney failure, but also for having heart attacks or strokes. Sure. But that risk goes up the lower your kidney function gets. And so we, that's another reason why we really pay attention to high blood pressure, the cholesterol, the diabetes, mm -hmm. and try to work with the other doctors uh, to help manage those. But oftentimes we end up managing the high blood pressure. Yeah. Um, right. And, uh, but we work closely with the diabetic. it goes hand in hand. Really. Yeah, it goes hand in hand. And, and, high, and kidney dysfunction actually causes high blood pressure. Oh. So, so it's, so it's almost it's a, a bad loop. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, wow. And a lot of patients get referred to us for uh, difficult to control high blood pressure just sure. because we, we have a little better understanding a lot of the different medicines and the nuances between one and another and we can identify side effects um, that may be caused by one medicine and switch them over to something sure. else that won't cause that side effect. So sure. a lot of patients get referred to us for high blood pressure. So with someone that has kidney failure and they have to go through dialysis, can you explain um, what dialysis is, what goes through it, and, and when you need it? Um, so dialysis is needed, so some form of kidney replacement therapy, what we call renal replacement therapy, is needed when you become uremic, mm -hmm. okay? So there's no one GFR number, that percent kidney function, where you have to start dialysis. Ideally, if someone is young enough, so, uh, and that's very center-specific, um, if they can qualify for a transplant, okay. we want to get them transplanted. 
That is, that is the best way to treat your kidney failure. It restores uh, some form of normalcy of life. Mm -hmm. you're, not, you're not tied to a dialysis machine. Um, and it provides the, the best prognosis. You're going to live the longest if you have a, a transplant. Unfortunately, because of shortages in organs and, and a lot of people are really sick, um, they, they may not qualify or may not be able to get a tra transplant. But we encourage everybody uh, to try to list at least if they can qualify for a transplant. And you can list under 20. Your GFR is under 20. So in my patients, if they're a good, if they think they're a transplant candidate and they're getting down to the 20, 21, 22, I'll send them over to the transplant clinic to start the evaluation. Because mm -hmm. the minute they hit 20, then they get on the list. And then you can start looking to see if you have a donor. And this is a good living donor. Living right? donors are the best way to donation, go. Living right? donation is the best way to go. And like I said, it can be a living related donor from someone in your family, an unrelated donor like a spouse. And, you know, they have all these pairing networks now where you can sign up and they'll find a match throughout the wow. country and ship the kidneys, uh, wow. you know, that way. Um, there are a lot of different ways to get kidney transplants. It's, it's really the best way to go. It sounds really scary. It does. You know, it's for some reason, dial yeah. transplant sounds so much scarier than dialysis. Yes. But it really is the gold standard treatment. It's okay. the best way to go, absolutely. So, um, so, you know, sign your organ donor cards, yes. you know, and then if you're in that situation, make sure that your nephrologist talks to you about transplantation. So kidney transplant first, but if not, dialysis If not, is then dialysis. So when their kidney functions in their 20s, I try to send them to an education class. Uh, they'll talk to them about transplant and the different forms of dialysis. It's really important that the patient choose their form of dialysis that they're comfortable with. You know, we have, you know, there's two different kinds. There's hemodialysis and peritoneal dialysis. Hemodialysis is where a machine cleans your blood out, mm -hmm. and then it puts the blood back, back into you. So it's constantly taking a little portion of your blood out and running it through the, the, the dialyzer or the filter and pr putting the cleaner blood back in. Mm -hmm. um, that has to be done on repeated basis. So the most common form of hemodialysis is in-center dialysis, where you go to the dialysis unit three times a week, either Monday, Wednesday, Friday, or Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday. And you have to go three times a week in most patients, because if you don't, then you're going to end up in the hospital because you can't breathe or you're weak because your potassium is too high and um, need to get emergently dialyzed that way. So it's a very rigorous lifestyle. And How long does this go for? For the rest of your life. For the rest of your life, three yeah. times a week. Yeah, but typical treatment is about four hours. Um, so, you know, you have to get there half hour early and, and get set up and then you get taken down. And so it's about a four and a half, five hour project, wow. uh, three times a week. So it can be for work, you know, but it's important that people continue to work if they can while they're on dialysis sure. to, you know, maintain that sense of purpose and, and activity. Um, and then, so, and then there was home hemodialysis and there's different iterations of that where you do it several times a week, or you can even uh, do it shorter periods of time, five, six times a week. And that just gives you the independence. You're not tied to the dialysis unit, and you can do it at night um, when you're sleeping or in the evening, um, and that allows people a, a little bit more independence. Uh, and it's a thought to be a little healthier. The studies haven't come out and really proven that it helps with a lot of things. It helps with uh, blood pressure and some of the um, some of the other medicines uh, they, they can stop taking. But but it uh, it it really is a it's just a, a more of an independence and. Cleaning the blood out more frequently, just we think it's better for the body than sure. the letting everything build up for three days and right. then getting it cleaned out in four hours and right. then letting it build up for another three days and then cleaning it out real quickly. Yes, and then kidney transplant number one, though. Kidney transplant number one of, of your dialysis, hemodialysis, which is in center or home, and then there's the peritoneal dialysis. Now, peritoneal dialysis is dialysis through your belly. The membranes of your intestines are actually good filters. 
So they'll put a catheter in your belly, and it'll actually stick out of your belly. And you do your own dialysis at home. And some people need to actually do the exchanges themselves during the day. Um, and others, they can, uh, most people can connect up to a machine that'll do it while you sleep. Wow. But you have to do that every night. The nice thing about it is, um, again, there's a little bit of an independence mm -hmm. there where you can still maintain your lifestyle during the day. Uh, and you do it yourself. So you have to have good vision, be able to, good hand-eye coordination, be able to be a sterile technique because yes. of the risk of infections of the belly if you don't do it right. But um, we encourage anybody that's interested and can do peritoneal, peritoneal dialysis to do it. Uh, with all the increase in healthcare costs, it's a, it's a cheaper option. Uh, so it doesn't cost a, uh, every, uh, as much. And there is some evidence that people do better on it. Sure, sure. So, so when someone, let's say, uh, are getting a kidney transplant, do they just need one then? Yes. Okay, so you, you only get a need single, one. I know, single kidney. Okay, single kidney. And then I know with liver, you don't even need the full liver. You Correct. Just need a, this but you need the whole kidney. kidney. Do that? You no. need the whole you kidney. Okay. You, you don't do partial kidney transplants. Okay. Every once in a while, um, this, this sounds horrible, but if a child passes away and they have two small kidneys, every once in a while they'll take both of them out. Make it one and, and, and give them, and so it, it can wow. equal to one bigger one. But um, most cases, it's a single kidney from a single donor. Okay. So. Um, Drink your water, eat healthy food, right? I'm just trying mm -hmm. to trying yep. to think of here what we take care of your body. Take care of your body. Take care of your body. You know, uh, uh, being overweight and eating a lot of processed foods increase your risk for high blood pressure and diabetes. Um, you know, so if you take care of your body, your kidneys will appreciate it. Yes, and then get tested at least once a year. If you if have risk you have factors diabetes. like okay. diabetes, right. high blood pressure, or some of the other. Okay. things that we talked but about. But like if, if I'm healthy and I'm okay, I don't need to go. Your doctor, checked. your doctor should be, you should have an annual physical. Okay. All right. And your doctor will tell you whether, whether you're due or not. Okay. And you know, if you're really concerned and there's a valid reason you're concerned, talk to your doctor and you know, they, they, they may test you just to, to make sure if you have a family history of kidney disease that, that does increase your risk too. Sure. Sure. You know, so there's a lot of different nuances to the recommendations. Right. Um, and typically, a healthy person just needs to get checked every couple of years. Okay. Sounds yeah. good. Anything mm -hmm. else you would like to add? I don't think so. You know, we didn't talk about kidney stones. A lot of people um, uh, can get kidney stones, and that's uh, something that we sometimes will treat as well. Uh, sure. We'll prevent, we work on the prevention side of kidney stones. The urologists will take out the kidney stones. Um, and that, if they get blocked up, they can affect the kidneys as well. Sure. Um, kidney infections, uh, urinary tract infections that migrate up to the kidneys, um, those don't typically hurt the kidneys. Okay. Uh, but if they're severe enough, then you can get some scarring in the kidneys from that. And um, yeah, that's Good. about it. <laughs> Very informative. Thank you so much for your time. You're welcome. Appreciate it. And to schedule an appointment with Dr. Simon or another Cleveland Clinic nephrologist, you can call 216-444-6771. Thanks again to all of our listeners and viewers for joining us today. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. If you'd like to hear more of our Health Essentials podcast from our Cleveland Clinic experts, make sure you visit us at clevelandclinic.org slash HEPodcast, or you can subscribe on iTunes. And for more Cleveland Clinic health tips, news, and information, make sure you're following us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat, Snapchat and Instagram at Cleveland Clinic, just one word. Thank you. We'll see you again next time. This concludes this Cleveland Clinic Health Essentials podcast. Thank you for listening. Join us again soon.